Reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was standing, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, looked at him. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In your bulletin was this peculiar little thing. You're going to need that. Go ahead and get it. You're going to want to have that handy. If you're a person like me who has found themselves having to enlist reading glasses, you might want to get those out too. After you get that out, I'd like for you to have that in your left hand. I'd like for you to take your right hand and raise it up and look at it. Don't be ashamed or bashful. Not, don't look at your faint hand, not me. <laughs> Simon says, look at your hand. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> so, what do you notice about that hand? What's it got on it? Five fingers. Or some smart aleck would say, four fingers and one thumb. Right? You ever heard anybody do that to you? My wife's pointing at my daughter. What, you see a palm too, right? Now, you know, the human hand is truly an awesome thing if you think about it. What are some things that you can do with your hand that you can't do with your foot? Can you, any of y'all cook with your feet? Any of y'all eat with your feet? Can any of you brush your teeth with your feet? My wife can pick stuff up with her feet. It's weird. Any of y'all pick stuff up with your feet? Yeah, that's kind of fun, and you freak friends out doing that. The human hand is an awesome thing. Clyde can tell you that if you cut your thumb, it's hard to use your hand, isn't it, Clyde? Right? 
And Jim Connors done come and asked me what he's going to do about fishing now that he cut the little digit of his finger off that he held the fishing line with. Y'all don't get that. Some of y'all don't fish. It's a tragedy. But the human hand is an amazing thing. Do you know that right here is the only place on your entire body where you can tell the difference between a dime and a nickel? If someone lays a dime or a nickel on your back, you would not be able to tell what, what it is. But if someone lays a dime in your hand and asks you if that's a nickel, you'd be able to say no, because you would feel it. I know that, because in my infernal stupidity one day, I was more worried about the carpet in my boat than the 12-pound catfish in my hand. You ever been there before? And I was trying to string it up, holding it like this, and it did that number that they do, and it fell down across my palm right there and cut me wide open. I was bleeding like you were pouring orange juice out of a carton. It was nasty. Shouldn't have been worried about the carpet because the carpet was in trouble at that point. But I, I decided to duct tape that thing up, keep on fishing. <laughs> now, do y'all have any idea how well that worked? <laughs> it didn't work. So I had to, to, to run myself to Orangeburg. And to make the story short, I didn't feel comfortable leaving my boat and all my possessions in my boat in the parking lot in the Orangeburg Hospital because the cars routinely go missing there. And um, I called... One of my prisoners, who was a doctor, I called him Bobby Doc like everybody else did. And I asked Bobby, what should I do? He said, come to my office. And I said, okay. And this is how I learned that you can tell that much difference in your palm. He was shooting me with lidocaine shots. Any of y'all ever had a lidocaine shot in the palm of my hand? And it was all I could do not to call him ugly names. And his wife was holding my arm down and she was patting my hand. She said, it's okay, preacher, you can cuss if you need to. And I'm going to tell you all I needed to, but I didn't want to. You ever been there? Because my hope, even in that moment, was that I would continue to point to Christ. Now, pointing is something we've been told not to do, right? Don't that make y'all feel bad, me pointing at you? I hate them sermons where the preacher's up there, you're going straight to hell, like this. And the preacher don't realize that without Jesus, he's going straight to hell too, right? That's that whole three fingers pointing back at you. Y'all ever heard that one? I'll tell you a story about that. A young man was getting married, and he was afraid to death of his father-in-law because he's pretty sure that if he ever hurt his father, his daughter, his uh, soon-to-be wife's feelings, his father-in-law would bury him in the backyard. He was that kind of guy, real stern and all that. And He'd been married to his wife for a long time, and the guy said, you know, I'm going to go and ask him how they did it. So he went to his father-in-law and mustered up some courage, and he said, Hank, um, how have y'all stayed married so long? He said, oh, I'll give you the best advice I have for you. Before you point at your wife and you blame her, before you point at her and accuse her of being wrong, before you point at her and tell her all her shortcomings, before you point at her and tell her all your faults, remember that it's because of her shortcomings and faults she ended up with a sorry husband like you. <laughs> Pointing. We point to something in everything we do, dear ones. When we point at our spouse and yell at our spouse, we point to sin. Right? Don't we? We point to our own pride, as our Sunday school class talked about this morning. Pointing can be a horrible thing. There are other bad things. Did your mama tell you not to pick your nose in public with that finger? <laughs> Remember that? How many of you have ever been mortally terrified when your daughter pointed at somebody and said, Look at her! <laughs> mama, look what she got on! Pointing can be a really bad thing. It really can, and we're terrified of it, especially if you point with that middle finger. 
I was sitting at the breakfast table one time with my extended family. My little nephew didn't like a joke I said about him, and he pointed at me with that middle finger. And I was afraid my brother was going to kill him, but he didn't. Pointing can be a rude thing to do. It can be a horrible thing to do, but there's a strange thing that happens in the Bible where we're kind of told to point. Maybe not hand and finger, but more importantly, with our whole self, with everything that we are. That's what this little picture you have is all about. Let's talk about it for a minute. Who's on the cross? Apparently, the pastor's doing a good job. Why was Jesus on the cross? Anybody? For me and you. That's right, Clyde. That's exactly right. He died for us on the cross. Who's that lady on the white in the white, on the, right, on the left in the white, you think? That's Mary. That's Jesus' mother. Who you reckon's holding Jesus' mother up? Man, our Sunday school is doing a good job. If y'all aren't coming, y'all ought to. That's John, right? The one that we believe, believe wrote this text that I just read to you, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's holding Jesus' mother because Jesus gave his mother to him and pointed to him and said, Behold your mother. Who do you reckon that is on the ground kneeling? It's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, who loved Jesus very much because Jesus had driven seven demons out of her. And she did amazing things for Christ following him. Who do you think that little animal is on the right? What is that? A sheep. You might not be able to tell in your picture, because I'm cheap and got black and white copies. Um, That's a lamb. It's a sheep, a little lamb. That is a classic Christian symbol for the Lamb of God, the little lamb with the cross over its shoulder. Do you see the little cross that it's holding? What you might not be able to see is that the lamb's chest has been punctured in kind of the place where Jesus' chest is punctured, and there's blood flowing into a cup just like this one. Do you see that? Matthias Grunewald painted this for it to be over the altar in the hospital at St. Anthony's Monastery where people would come to receive the blood of Christ and be included in covenant with Christ, a covenant that gives us eternal life. There's a lot going on in that painting, isn't there? There's one more character we haven't mentioned. Who do you think that is? What's he doing? Pointing. We've been talking about that. I was hoping that would be easy. Do you see how long that dude's finger is? Is that not the longest pointer finger you've ever seen in your whole life? Big old long bony bony, pony. It looks intentional, doesn't it? It looks like the artist painted that finger too big so we would get the point, doesn't it? And the point is, dear ones, John the Baptist was pointing to Christ and saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because the world needs to hear that its sin can be taken away, doesn't it? You know, the fascinating thing is that we talk a lot about our sins being forgiven, but we don't talk enough about the fact that Jesus took sin away from us. That when we come to Christ in faith, He doesn't just forgives us, He yanks it out of us, takes it away from us cleanses us from our unrighteousness and makes us be like Him. That's awesome news, isn't it? That's good news. That's worth pointing out. And that's what John the Baptist was doing on that day when Jesus came down to the river to be baptized. He said, Behold! That's why I'm reading to you out of the English Standard Version this morning. Because some of the other English versions take behold out and they say, Here which is this little lame, tired word. Behold is, y'all look! Y'all look! There he is! 
Do you see him doing that? See how excited he looks in that picture? How moved he looks? He's pointing toward Christ. He's pointing toward Christ. I wonder if you notice what Jesus' hands are doing. What are Jesus' hands doing? He's pointing to heaven, isn't he? Do you see how his fingers are curled upward to say, this is what God is doing for you. This is what God is doing for you. So John the Baptist is pointing to the one who points to heaven. And God said, you are my son, my beloved. John the Baptist said that he was told that he would baptize Jesus so it could be revealed to the rest of us that Jesus belonged to God and that Jesus had been sent to us to take our sin away from us. In my opinion, that's better news than finding out you won the lottery. Now, we're Methodists. Y'all better not be playing that lottery. But you get the point, right? There's no better news in this world than that. And what we might not realize sometimes, dear ones, is that our job is to be John the Baptist today. My job and your job together, all of us working together, is to be people who point. And who do you think we're supposed to be pointing to? Starts with a J. Jesus, right? Not to us. All the things that we do, the little children are better at than that than y'all are. All the things that we do are meant to point toward Christ, not toward us. When I preach, God help me, it's meant to point toward Christ and not toward me. When you teach, when you serve, when you lead youth, when you call us to do witness and work and missions, when you count our money, when you do all those things that we do as a church together, it's meant to point toward Christ, to do the work of saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who what? takes away the sin of the world. That's our job, folks. That and that alone. And Matthias Grunewald painted this picture to remind the church of that. To remind us from now on that what we're supposed to do is to point to the good news of Christ that because of Christ, we don't have to wallow around in sin and suffering and misery forever. We don't have to be left in it. We don't have to be given over to it. Sin doesn't have to rule over us. Death doesn't have to rule over us. Our mistakes don't define us. The things that we do that get us in trouble don't define us. It's Christ who defines us. And to make that plain, He called us to be baptized, to be sealed as belonging to Him. And Jesus came to the waters of baptism to be sealed as belonging to God and belonging to us. To being with us, to dwelling with us and living in with us for the purpose that we could have life and be holy. What I want to suggest to you, dear ones, is your mama might have been wrong. Sometimes it's okay to point. Not necessarily at somebody who's wearing clothes that are too tight. Not necessarily at somebody who's doing something wrong or some child that won't behave in the restaurant. But to point to Christ. To point to Christ. And what we might not be aware of is that every little thing we do, we do either points to death or points to Christ. It either points to the way of the world or it points to the kingdom of God. Everything we do. That's why Paul told us that the simplest things in life can be done for the glory of God if we do them for God. In the same way, people watch us to see who we are. 
And when they know that we're people of faith, they watch to see, does their faith make a difference? Does the one they claim is God make a difference in their lives? And so we're called to live a life that points with the first finger, not the middle one. That points to Christ. To the difference that He makes in our lives. You might have noticed that your sermon title was Don't Point with Two Little Cross Things. I don't know what you call that. Through the NT. Sometimes the proper instruction for us is do point. We're called to point to Christ and to the good news that through Him sin can be taken away. Not just forgiven, but that we can be released from it to have life. Because the purpose of sin in this world is to steal life from us. To make us miserable. To make us feel unworthy of God's love. To separate us from God. I need for you to point to Christ for me. Do you hear me, church? And I know that you need for me to point to Christ for you. And the world needs for us together to point to Christ for them. Because there's no other place for sin to be forgiven than at the foot of the cross. There's no other place for life to be restored than the fountain of baptism. My prayer, dear ones, is that we will leave here today committed to pointing to Christ. Do point. Do point. In all that you do and say, May your words and deeds, and may my words and deeds, point to the hope we have in Christ. Amen? Amen.